Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us, letting us be part of your day. Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. We wrap up another week with lots going on. We'll be talking with the administrator of the Farm Service Agency, Richard Fordyce. Today, the deadline for sign-up for CFAP and DMC. We'll get the latest details. Lots of market news. Had a WASDE report. We'll talk markets with Arlen Suderman, Chief Economist for Stone X. And... The U.S. is challenging Canada's dairy quotas under USMCA. Shauna Morris with the National Milk Producers Federation will join us for the very latest on that. But we start things off today talking with the new chair of the United Soybean Board, Dan Farney from Morton, Illinois, joins us. Dan, thanks for being with us and congratulations. Well, thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Tell us a little bit about uh, your background, your farming operation in Illinois, and your involvement with United Soybean Board. So, um, been a farmer essentially all my life. Um, started farming with my dad, and that was uh, I really enjoyed that. And then he retired, but been farming here in Morton, Illinois, which is close to Peoria, uh, about a 600-acre uh, soybean and corn operation that. Uh, flips back and forth, so it's it, um, about 300 acres of each. How did you get involved with the United Soybean Board? Well, I I started on um, actually my local county farm bureau board, and then after a while I went to the Illinois Soybean Board, um, and then seen how some of the neat stuff that they were doing nationally, and, and thought that uh, that'd be kind of a neat thing to do, so I um, applied to get on in USD and was fortunate to get there. What will your goals and priorities be for USB this coming year under your leadership? Well, so that's interesting. With this whole um, coronavirus, uh, COVID-19 thing, we have not been able to meet together since February, and looks like it'll be over a year since that we will able to have an in-person meeting. So kind of one of my goals is really to kind of get back to whatever our new normal is going to be, because as a board of farmers, there's a 78 of us on there, and then you develop really great relationships and friendships, and, and that helps in helping discuss and think about different uh, projects we want to invest in so it if we can get back to meeting together i think that's going to help a ton but other than that it's the our board members that do all the work and i've got a great board we're talking with dan farney the new chair of the united soybean board dan from morton illinois near peoria uh this is a huge responsibility dan for you and all those that sit on the united soybean board because you are responsible for decisions spending soybean farmers checkoff dollars and i know you you uh take this very seriously you do a lot of research there's a lot of information that you go over before those decisions are made uh that's very true um it everybody all soybean farmers um you know put in through the checkoff and i feel a responsibility to do the very best that we can for each one and what we invest in and one of the biggest things that I feel we need, that we can do is help create demand and drive demand and and help um, push soybean. You know that'll hopefully help push soybean prices higher. Um, we've got a great staff that helps us with that. Um, like I said, a great board that's very forward thinking and just a lot of smart people on there that I'm proud to be around. I know you've probably, since being on the board, have received these questions. You'll probably get even more now that you're the chair. But probably questions from soybean farmers. How are you spending my money? What are we getting in return for it? You've got you've got a lot of successes, but some things you're investing, whether it's in research or whatever it may be, it takes a while to see the results. Yeah, 
Oh, that's true. And and maybe one of the bigger ones that we've done here in the past have been high lake soybeans. And that has been a, really a long-term project that is really seems to be taking off really nicely now. Um, and so if we can create another avenue where, you know, currently it's paying a, a from, in my understanding, like 30 to 60 cent um, premium per bushel for basically raising the same kind of soybeans that we do otherwise. Um, that that for the people that are kind of in the right area where the processes are that want that, it is they're looking for acres right now, my understanding. So it's things like that that, you know, and there's a whole ton more that we could talk about. You get a lot of requests for projects that people would like to have funded. I know you have your committee structure. You look at all this information. You you discuss it. You go over it before voting on it. These are big decisions to be made, but you're looking at return on investment, right? Uh, what uh, When you spend those dollars, you want to see what comes back to soybean growers. That's very true. Um, and then uh, one of the things we're required to do is actually do a study on how good are we doing. And the last one that we've done, um, which was like a year, a little over a year ago, I think, um, showed that we returned $12.34 of added value for each dollar that we invest in soy checkoff. So um, there's just a lot of work that goes on and uh, that it, it's mind-boggling almost. I, I think there's several hundred projects that we invest in in any given year, but um, it does produce results. Can seem at times like a no-win situation. If soybean prices are down, you probably hear from people saying, well, what good is checkoff dollars doing? And when prices are up, some would tend to say, do we even need to keep investing, you know, spending checkoff dollars because prices are already up? So it's almost sometimes a no-win situation. Um, I, there could be somebody that might say that, but I would look at it like it, it's a win-win. I mean, I want soybean prices to be up, and I'm willing to continue to invest to um, make them go higher and continue. It's enjoyable when the prices are higher, that's for sure. Which they are right now. What are your prospects uh, uh, for soybean farmers? What's the outlook, do you think, for 2021? Grow soybeans, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, sounds like uh, there'll be a lot of that going on for sure as we expect uh, more acres in, in 2021. All right, Dan, thank you very much. Uh, again, congratulations on being uh, uh, chosen as chair of the United Soybean Board for the coming year. Wish you the very best. Thank you. All right, Dan Farney, USB chair from Morton, Illinois. Coming up next, today is the deadline for sign-up for CFAP and DMC. We'll get the very latest on how the sign-up has gone. Some last-minute information from the administrator of the Farm Service Agency. Richard Fordyce joins us next on AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher, even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. Recently on Adams on Agriculture... Dan Hallstrom, President and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Some concerns over Mexico's beef grading standards. Tell us about those concerns and have they been addressed? I would say that the primary concern was the terminology that was being proposed. The Spanish terminology was very similar to the English delineation of uh, you know, our, our grading standards, you know, prime, choice, select, etc. 
and we felt like these correlations were somewhat intentional because one of the biggest marketing advantages we have in a lot of foreign markets is our grading on beef and differentiating the uh, grain-fed qualities of our beef. Fast forward to uh, late November last month, the final rule was published by Sigarpa, and we, we don't have this concern. Uh, the names, the titles are totally different. It's not as closely aligned with our grading standards. So a success in that sense, we feel. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. A cold front can slow the world to a crawl, but with Cenex Premium Diesel, your fleet can power through. Cenex Roadmaster XL Seasonally Enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel. So rather than complaining about the cold, own it with Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private healthcare is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready, and health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is 35000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. 800-664-2612. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, it is deadline or sign up for two big programs, CFAP and Dairy Margin Coverage, so DMC. we got those two deadlines today. Let's talk about it with Richard Fordyce, FSA Administrator. Richard, thanks for joining us again, and, and Merry Christmas to you. Um, as we look at, first of all, let's look at DMC. Uh, there was a request by the dairy industry for an extension in the deadline. Did you consider that? Yeah, yeah, Mike. Uh, and by the way, good to be with you, and Merry Christmas to you as well. Um, we did, uh, we did consider it. Uh, we, you know, we did. Uh, we, we looked at kind of a snapshot in time of where we are with sign up uh, this year and where we were at this time last year. Um, talked to a lot of our really kind of dairy heavy states um, that have a lot of DMC participants about where they were and, and what they thought from, uh, from uh, the perspective of have, have producers been notified? Are they aware of the deadline? Are they aware of DMC? And, you know, just to, to a person, everyone said yes. Some, some producers have had two or three phone calls, uh, multiple mailings, but, but we did. We absolutely uh, considered the request um, to extend the deadline, and, and ultimately the decision was to not do that. You know, as a reminder... You know, if folks can't actually physically get to the office or, you know, here in the la- on the last day or maybe, you know, the last part of this week, you know, appointments were filled up. As long as a producer notifies the local office that they want to sign up for DMC, then they'll be put on a register and they will be considered to be timely um, for application. So, so it doesn't – the deadline does not mean they have to have all of the application work done by the end of date end of day today, uh, but certainly that they've notified the local office that they do want to participate, and then they will be in under the deadline. So you just felt that they've had enough time or there was enough information out there that enough people knew about it. Is that why you did not grant the extension? Yeah, I think that's primarily, Mike. Um, you know, we've we really had a we really had a, a really robust outreach and and um, communication plan around this. We worked very closely, obviously, with the ag media. Um, 
worked very closely with uh, some of the key dairy stakeholders talking about the program. Certainly, you know, you all from the media perspective and the folks in that dairy stakeholder um, community, you know, are, are fantastic about getting the word out and talking about the importance of DMC. Um, and then we did our own outreach just within, you know, agency-specific outreach um, to dairy producers. And so we feel, we feel dairy producers are aware, certainly aware of the program and, and are aware of the deadline, um, again, as a reminder, which is today for DMC. What can you tell us about how sign-up has gone this year? So, um, you know, this week has really been a flurry of activity. Um, you know, as of Monday, we had almost 12,000 dairy operations that had signed up. And I know just by talking to some of our folks across the country that uh, that it's been a pretty furious, um, uh, a lot of furious activity there um, around the sign-up and folks coming in um, or contacting the offices to get signed up. So, you know, I think it... it I think we'll be pleasantly surprised by the number, um, you know, as we go into next week. And, you know, and as, as again, as a reminder, we're going to see those application numbers tick up next week as those county office uh, folks are, are finalizing those applications um, for folks that, you know, were, um, you know, were on a register, as we call it, um, the folks that weren't able to complete the application by close of, close of business today. So, um um, you know, so again, I, you know, we've really seen the activity and the sign-up um, really kind of ramp up this week for sure. So again, uh, for dairy producers, as long as they notify their local office today, they may not have it all completed, but as long as they notify their local office today during business hours today of their intent to participate, that that'll get them in. Is that right? That's absolutely correct. And so. You know, there may be a scenario of, you know, they contact the local office, lines are busy, um, every office has uh, has a voicemail, um, leave them a voicemail. Uh, you know, if you want to send them an email, send them an email. Um, you know, there are multiple ways to, to be able to communicate with the, with the local county office to indicate that you want to participate, um, you know, in the dairy margin coverage. You know, as you remember, at the beginning of this, uh, which came to us through the 2018 Farm Bill, there was the option of the five-year lock-in. Um, and so we had a number of producers, and I don't know, I can't remember the, the percentage of the total participants, but we've got, you know, we've got several thousand operations that elected the five-year lock-in at the beginning of the program. You know, so they're still in. They have, I mean, they need to get in fairly quickly and pay the the $100 administrative administrative fee, but they're in, um, you know, uh, so, so the ones that we're most focused on are those ones that are year to year, the annual renewal, um, uh, uh, dairy operations. And so those are the ones that definitely need to notify the office, um, you know, by close of business today. Um, and then again, as a reminder to folks, um, you know, if you sign up for the 2021 production year, uh, which is which is what the sign up is for that's going on right now. The, those premiums will not be due until September. So you know, so you can go ahead and get signed up. You don't have to write a check for the premiums. You know, today or next week when you get when you get your application finished up, um, uh, those premiums will be will be billed um, in September. So folks have a little bit of time to to make sure that they get those paid. We're talking with Richard Fordyce, FSA Administrator. All right, also today, deadline for sign-up for CFAP. Uh, what can you tell us about how that has gone? Well, it's going, it's going well, Mike. Um, you know, as of, uh, as of Monday, uh, uh, almost 760,000 uh, approved applications, and those are unique producers, so that means 760,000 different producers had signed up. Um, uh, a little over eleven and a half billion dollars uh, has been made in payments to producers, and we're and we're seeing a lot of activity there as well. Um, you know, so this week has been has been pretty busy, um, both in CFAP and DMC signup. And the same rules apply for CFAP. If you, um, you know, if you're not able to get in, if you're not able to get an appointment to finalize a CFAP application. Uh, same rules apply if you notify the office by, again, close of business today that you want to participate in the CFAP program. 
there are not appointments available or there is some reason you can't, uh, you can't get it done today, as long as you notify that office, then you'll come in under the deadline as well. So do you anticipate, you said $11.5 billion already, uh, how much more would you anticipate going out in CFAP2? Well, um, you know, we see uh, we see a lot of dollars that are approved for payment every day. Um, not, you know, it's not really to the level that it was at the beginning. Certainly, uh, when when sign up began for CFAP two, you know, we were um, we were really, you know, we were really having a, a, a significant outlay on a daily basis. It's considerable, but it's not it's not at the level it was at the beginning of of sign up. But we're still gonna. You know, I think we'll be, you know, we'll be over that $12 billion figure. Um, you know, I'm pretty confident of that. Um, how, how much over that, I guess, kind of remains to be seen. Um, you know, again, with 700 and almost 760,000 uh, producers that have already participated, um, you know, we had in CFAP1 as a comparison for CFAP1, we had around 650,000 um, producers that participated through that, through the life of the of the sign up for CFAP one, we know we added commodities, so we knew we would have new uh, new producers that would participate. So, you know, we're 110,000 or roughly 110,000 producers over that number, you know, um, as of Monday. So we we anticipate, you know, still some more folks that want to want to participate. What that number is going to look like, I guess we'll have to kind of wait and see here a few days and and see where we where we kind of land, but. But I would I would estimate we're going to get get over that twelve billion dollar uh, twelve billion dollar mark. Um, we'll see how far over. All right, Richard. Thank you very much. Again, we remind uh, producers for both CFAP two and DMC. Today's the deadline for sign up. But as long as you uh, contact your local office and let them know your intent to participate, that will get you in. So we encourage uh, those and remind everyone uh, that. This is the deadline today. Richard, as always, thank you for the updates. We appreciate it. All right, Mike. Thank you. It's good to be with you, sir. All right. Take care. Richard Fordyce, FSA Administrator. All right. Coming up next, uh, we have a WASDE report to go over. Kind of a quiet one uh, yesterday. We'll talk about that with Arlen Suderman with Stone X and look ahead. His thoughts here at the end of the year and how he sees uh, uh, what's his market outlook going into 20. 21. That's coming up next. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Every Tuesday, we're sitting around the table, sponsored by CHS, where we'll be talking with folks from throughout the cooperative system. Join us as we discover what makes cooperatives unique when there are more options to do business with than ever before. We'll learn how farmers and ranchers like you benefit from a system where decisions are made by the members that own it. Tune in every Tuesday for Around the Table or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher, even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. Grain markets are mostly mixed. This is the American Ag Network. I'm Brian Winnikins with this market update. Corn markets are lower after the disappointing USDA supply demand report, which lowered uh, ending stocks to 1.7 billion bushels. The trade was expecting more. Now, this week, China's uh, ag attache increased China's imports to 22 million metric tons. That should actually be helping the markets, but so far today, it's not. Soybean futures are moving uh, mostly higher after sitting on oversold levels after USDA lowered uh, ending 
adding stocks to 175 million bushels. And prices are finding some decent support, at least until the January crop report comes out. Meanwhile, wheat markets are higher. The lower greenback is enforcing ideas of better U.S. export potential on the world market. And USDA's latest balance sheet also held some positive factors. December corn down two and a quarter to 418. New crop 21 down a quarter to 409. January beans up one and a quarter to 1154. New crop 21 up one and a quarter to 1047 and a quarter. Chicago wheat march up four and a quarter to six and three quarters. July up two and a quarter to 597 and a quarter. Minneapolis wheat march now steady at 562 and a half. This is the American Ag Network. Cattle markets continue to move mostly higher today on a seasonal type of uh, higher trade today. Now, even though we have a drop in retail values, it's triggered moderate uh, product movement with another 185 uh, load count, and that's helping to support the markets. Hog markets still continue to move mostly lower heavy pork production. Large processing runs continue to limit the upside potential, even though the lean hog index was higher by six cents yesterday. December live cattle up 60 cents to 108.52. January feeder cattle now up 90 cents to 138.50 in the hog markets of february now down 50 cents to 64.60 milk markets today february milk up seven at 17.33 that's markets i'm brian winnikins this is the american ag network take a look under your bed find stuff under there what about jobs no now try your basement there's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore a perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months and even more stuff but still no jobs well you really have both see stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group sometimes this stuff is no longer needed wait no longer needed that can't be right because remember those jobs you were looking for those are really needed and they're the stuff inside your stuff even inside that winter coat that moved with you to phoenix our job is to unlock those jobs and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local goodwill here's how we do it When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover keytar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, let's talk it over with Arlen Suderman with Stone X. Arlen, there was a WASDA report out yesterday, but uh, uh, kind of quiet. Uh, they they kind of punted on this one. Uh, not a lot of big news. It's a December report. Uh, they're usually the most boring and quiet of the, of the year. Uh, however, I thought there were some key things that uh, really set the stage for the January reports, which could have plenty of fireworks with them. Uh, tightening up the stocks of soybeans in the United States at just a 14-day supply right ahead of getting those final production estimates when we could see another drop in the size of the crop. The quarterly stocks numbers uh, obviously be reflective of that. And then you have well, uh, the uh, production numbers out of South America in January uh, will certainly be expected to be a little bit lower as well, and that could increase exports some more. Uh, a lot of different factors coming together, and I thought yesterday's USDA WASDE report kind of set the stage for it, and uh, now we just need to mark some time until we get there. So you expect fireworks perhaps for the January report. Do you expect it to be a bullish report? Well, the odds certainly are that way. I think with corn, you could argue either way. With soybeans, the odds are much stronger toward tightening up supplies further. As we look at Argentina, it typically is has a, a pretty short crop in a La Nina year, not a guarantee. That's the way we typically go. With Brazil, you can go either way. Um, if it's uh, if the temperatures are above normal, and uh, then you tend to get a below trend crop. You thought I would have said moisture, but with moisture, you can still get a big crop in Brazil because normal rainfall in Mato Grosso this time of year is anywhere from three to four inches per week. 
And so you can be at 50% of normal rainfall and still get a normal rain. What we're finding is it really depends on temperatures during those below normal rains. And right now the temperatures are basically been above normal. And if you look at the four to 10 day outlook, it dries out as we're going into early pod set now, it dries out and gets hot. And uh, that's gonna add some stress to the crop. So the bias right now is for lower production estimates. And as I talk to our people on the ground in Brazil, that's their bias as well. So yeah, let's, I want to find out more what you're hearing from down there as far as conditions and their forecast, uh, their weather forecast. What is the latest? Yeah, really right now things are fairly content. They've had uh, about a week to 10 days of some pretty good rains that have reached most of the dry areas of Brazil. Now their soil water holding capacity is not what it is in the Midwest. So even though they get a lot of rain, they need a lot of rain. So when they're below normal, it has to be well distributed and kind of continuous flow of just in time rains type of thing. The optimism among farmers remains very high down there yet with this crop. And I think that's important. Part of that's because prices are so high, so they want to believe that the crop's going to be there. They have uh, sold the majority of it already uh, because of the prices that are being offered. But the farmer remains optimistic, thinking if the rains do come, they could still have a 133 million metric ton crop. I think the weather, though, over the next month is what's really going to be critical. Generally, we're expecting below normal rains, but how far below normal will they be? And what will the distribution of those rains go? And that's what they're nervous about as I talk to them. Did they increase their bean acres in South America? Yeah, they really did. They anyway, three to five percent increase, um, and similar increases in corn area uh, as well. Um, with the currency exchange rate being what it is, it's just extremely profitable to be farming in Brazil right now for corn and soybeans. And so they're expanding as fast as they can and doing what they can. The biggest obstacle and limiting factor right now is weather, and uh, that would probably be followed by. Uh, some of the political turmoil and economic turmoil they have in the country and the, and the lack of infrastructure, although infrastructure is getting better. We're talking with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for StoneX. All right, let's switch to the other big part of this uh, as far as the markets are concerned, especially soybean markets, and that's China. Uh, are they kind of caught up on their buying, or do you expect uh, uh, another flurry from them? Well, as we look at yesterday's uh, USDA weekly export sales report through December 3rd, it shows that China has about 8 million metric tons of purchased soybeans that have not yet been delivered. And then if you look at unknown destinations, it was a similar amount of about 8.1 million metric tons that uh, not all of that's going to be China. Probably the bulk of that is China. There's going to be some other countries in there as well. If you look at the shipment pace and the window of opportunity before Brazilian supplies become available normally, that's typically about what they need to get to that normal window when Brazilian supplies would come. Talking to our people in Brazil, I said, okay, when are you going to be loading the first cargoes this year? Is normally that would start happening sometime in, you know, the very early beans, maybe mid to late January, and they said probably February 1st for loading the first cargoes. Then you figure 45 days on the water from Brazil to China, so that puts you in mid-March. They're probably not going to be getting any real volume until the end of March, 1st of April. So it looks to me like China is going to have to buy some more soybeans. They're just trying to watch for opportunities and figure out how many they're going to need. Probably going to need some more. That's why my export target's about 60 million bushels above what USDA is, and I'm at ending stocks of 113 million bushels. So I see things tightening up more as we go forward, assuming there's no surprises in the size of the U.S. crop in January. You know, I think those are good points. Sometimes we kind of overlook the timing part of this about, you know, when uh, South American beans are available, how long it takes them to get there, those types of things. And in the meantime, the the needs in China. So you have to account for all that, right? You have to figure all that in. 
Yeah, exactly right. And people say, okay, what if we have a short crop in Brazil? Well, that doesn't matter near term from the standpoint of getting beans. It's just when are those first beans going to get there, and then Brazil will supply China with what it needs until that short crop runs out. It just means that they'll run out quicker later this year and then come looking again, and will they run out before we've harvested and be coming back trying to get some of our old crop supplies that are in tight supply or not? I think that's the primary question. And then, of course, Argentina sells more product than they do whole beans, and so if they have a short crop, that means buyers coming here for our meal. We consume most of them, a lot, a, the majority of the meal that we produce here. Obviously, we have some regular customers who buy from us and that we export to. So if Argentina has a short crop, they need to come here. Um, that means that we're going to have to take meal prices high enough to try to move domestic livestock producers, shift them more toward distillers' grains in their rations. Uh, Brazil can supply some of that meal business as well. But again, their high freight rates and the lack of a good infrastructure or rail or anything else or barge really hurts their ability to fill a lot of that demand. Either way, that would mean world meal prices would have to go higher. So we'll see how all this plays out. Uh, but certainly the big difference, Arlen, when we sit here you know, in December this year compared to December last year, when the, all the talk was going into the new year was about burdensome stocks. That narrative has certainly changed, hasn't it, going into a new year? It has, and the farmers will be happy to hear, end users not so much, that as I've worked on my 21-22 balance sheet for the year that doesn't even start until next September 1st, uh, projecting if we have normal weather on both sides of the hemisphere, we probably keep global and domestic stocks fairly snug. I don't see a big rebuilding program unless we have very favorable weather and have dramatically above-trend crops. That's always possible. We could do that. Um, but we're probably looking at quite a bit of volatility in the soybean market here uh, over the coming year. And what about corn? Corn could still go either way. There's certainly I can build a bullish case if we have a short crop in South America. That certainly could end up happening. Um, we could certainly see more exports to China. We are not in the camp that believes that we're going to see a lot of that. We think the high uh, hog-to-corn price ratio that currently still exists in China gives them, the Chinese Communist Party, the cover to hold the limit on imports and try to push the industry towards self-sufficiency. Then the other side of the coin is lost ethanol demand. We're seeing gasoline demand consumption in the United States drop off rapidly right now with the restrictions and lockdowns, and that's going to end up hurting ethanol demand as we go into year's end and early next year. But the big question will be, does that pick up next year with vaccines and hopefully a rebound in in uh uh, the economy and people getting out again next year. That's certainly the hope and the anticipation. I heard uh, Secretary Alazar, Health and Human Services, this morning say that we should have vaccines out for the general population by the second quarter. So hopefully by that time we'd be starting to get things going. It just comes down to how much corn demand do we lose in the meantime. We lost over mm -hmm. 550 million bushels of demand earlier this year. Uh, we certainly don't want to see a repeat of that. I don't think that we will, but we could end up losing 200 million, perhaps, in demand. So it's something we're keeping our eyes on. All right. Thanks, Arlen. Good to talk with you. Thank you, Mike. Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for StoneX. Up next, the latest on U.S. challenging Canada's dairy quotas under USMCA. We'll talk with Shauna Morris with the National Milk Producers Federation next on AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to really cook. 
First, you can't tell it's done by how it looks. Use a food thermometer. Then, always stir, rotate the dish, and cover food when microwaving to prevent cold spots where bacteria can survive. Fast cooking should still be safe cooking. And bring sauces, soups, and gravies to a rolling boil when reheating. Even for the most experienced cooks, the improper heating and preparation of food means bacteria can survive. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything. Editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Adams on Agriculture. Conversations with policymakers, the movers and shakers in the ag industry. The pros and cons of issues important to you, cutting through the spin to get to the heart of the topic and giving you the information you need to know. Every weekday, Mike Adams brings you a guest important to the ag industry. It's quite simply information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, Michael Langmeyer, Purdue Ag Economist. Michael, the roller coaster ride of 2020 continues. The, the October index was 183, and the November index is down from that to a level of 167. So what's more interesting is, is looking at the uh, two sub indices, the index of current conditions and index of future expectations. They moved in opposite directions. The index of current conditions continued to increase and reached an all time high uh, for the survey at 187. That's about a 10 point increase uh, from October in pet positive news on the trade front. Uh, prices have strengthened, particularly corn and soybeans. We've had relatively high government payments in 2020, and so you combine all of those things, and people are pretty optimistic uh, looking at the next 12 months. However, if you look at the index of future expectations, uh, decreased from 186 in October to 156 in November. And so people are, are becoming more optimistic short-term, uh, but, but relatively less optimistic long-term. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher, even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. The landscape of media has changed, and people are more skeptical than ever about where they get their news and information. While major news outlets show decreasing credibility, your local farm radio station still shows strong marks. In a recent survey, farmers rated information from their farm broadcasters as almost twice as reliable as major news outlets. Farm radio continues to be transparent, honest, and trustworthy. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. A cold front can slow the world to a crawl, but with Cenex Premium Diesel, your fleet can power through. Cenex Roadmaster XL Seasonally Enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel. So rather than complaining about the cold, own it with Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. 
Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. The Trump administration has taken the first step in challenging Canada's implementation of new tariff rate quotas. Here with the latest is Shauna Morris, Vice President, Trade Policy for the National Milk Producers Federation. Shauna, thanks for joining us. Uh, Give us uh, the latest on this. What does this uh, step by the administration mean and where do we go from here? Thanks, Mike. Appreciate being able to join. Uh, Well, I'd say, frankly, the biggest thing it means is a clear indication that there's a strong willingness to make sure that our trading partners are living up to the promises they make. Uh, With the administration filing for consultations with Canada on the dairy tariff rate quotas earlier this week, that's the first start in the process to enforcing our rights. And also, I think, laid out the really clear case for how Canada's deviated from its promises with respect to that issue to date. The next step, if Can you- agreement can't be reached in that consultation process, might be having to escalate to a full dispute settlement case. But we'll take things one step at a time. Mm-hmm. Can you explain for our listeners exactly what is the complaint with Canada's policy? Absolutely. So under USMCA, most of the new market access that Canada granted to the U.S. for our dairy exports was done through tariff rate quotas. A tariff rate quota allows in a certain amount of product up to a a volume threshold, and then after that, you apply heavy tariffs to try to discourage more of it from coming in. That means that whoever gets the right to import uh, at the low tariff level uh, within that certain volume uh, is the ones that are actually bringing in the product. How Canada divvied out access to those dairy product imports, though, was done in a really tilted way. It awarded the vast majority, 85% in most cases, of the tariff rate quota access to processors. Uh, In many cases, ones that are competing directly against the type of products that we want to ship to Canada. So we're really looking to broaden the supply chain options to be able to sell to a wider variety of customers in Canada. So basically, by what Canada is doing, that keeps U.S. dairy producers from uh, gaining the what they thought they were getting in USMCA as far as increased market share. That's exactly the concern, that the way Canada is handling its market access under USMCA is likely to result in fewer shipments and, and lower value shipments than we had anticipated we'd be able to get under USMCA. Kind of a reminder, Shauna, that trade deals in and of themselves don't assure market access, but they create then the framework for addressing those issues, and that's what we have here. This is coming down to enforcement of the new trade deal USMCA. Absolutely, and frankly, I think that's a critical point, not just for our industry and not just for this deal, but across the board, Uh, because what you put on paper is really the starting point, Uh, demonstrating that you're willing to follow through, aggressively monitor compliance with what's on paper, and challenge the trading partner when they're deviating from it, sends a really important signal not just to Canada, but to the other countries that we have trade agreements with as well that cover, of course, not just dairy, but a whole spectrum of different ag issues. Okay, you talked about what this could lead to. Kind of take us through the steps of how this could play out now. So the U.S. certainly, of course, has raised these concerns with Canada. Uh, The step taken this week, though, ratchets that up to a more formal level. These consultations are required negotiations between the U.S. and Canada to try to find a solution. Hopefully, uh, although I'm not holding my breath, given that it's Canada and dairy, uh, that could address the, the problem. And we would see Canada make changes in how it's handling its dairy market access imports. If not, though, uh, the next step would be to basically take it to court. Uh, USMCA has a dispute settlement process where each country can effectively charge that the others violated the deal and bring it before a panel of judges to hear out both sides in the case. Uh, So that would be the next step if agreement's not able to be reached at this first next one. So it could be a while if it goes through all that. That could take a while. It could take a bit, which is why we're so glad that they have gotten this process started. 
Uh, obviously, it's not one that's going to be completed uh, in all likelihood uh, before the changeover in administration, uh, making it key that we see follow through next year as well in continued engagement with Canada on it. That was going to be my next question. With a change in administration, does this just carry over, keep going, or do you have to start all over uh, with a new administration? The process itself won't need to start over just because the administration has changed on the U.S. side, uh, but certainly this is one of the key issues that we'll be educating the incoming team on uh, and that we've already begun taking steps to help brief the transition team on its importance. I think an important piece for us that we've been gratified to see is the continued very strong bipartisan support from Congress uh, that this is the right direction and that this is an important piece that deserves continued action in the coming year as well. Well, you'll have someone very uh, interested in this and very knowledgeable about this issue at USDA with Tom Vilsack going to be the next Secretary of Agriculture. Absolutely. I think all of agriculture is really fortunate uh, that he's been nominated to, to retake the reins there. He's really uniquely qualified to be able to take over USDA during this really challenging time for so many of the agriculture sectors and, and rural America more broadly. And of course, uh, Tom Vilsack uh, will be coming from his current job of president and CEO of the U.S. Dairy Export Council and has said he applauds the U.S. Trade Representative, for hearing our concerns and relying on our guidance to take this critical enforcement step to ensure that the agreement is executed in both letter and spirit. Again, that's Tom Vilsack talking about this action. Shauna, thank you very much for the update. We'll be watching it closely and, uh, and stay in touch with you. Thank you. Thank you. Shauna Morris, Vice President, Trade Policy for the National Milk Producers Federation. Well, that wraps it up for this week. Have a great weekend, a safe weekend again. Merry Christmas to all of you. Be safe and hope you'll join us again on Monday right here on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher, even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online.